We hope you enjoyed today's show. This episode was produced in cooperation with the ETH Entrepreneur Club, a student organization which aims to inspire, educate, and empower the next generation of entrepreneurs. The ETH Entrepreneur Club holds more than 40 events every year, resulting in an impressive alumni list of successful startups. If you want to keep up with their busy agenda, make sure to give them a follow on social media. It was freakingly difficult. It was a painful journey. But if you would ask me, would I do it again? I would say a million times yes. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Somya, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I'm glad to be here as well. You're the co-founder and CEO at Sleepis, a startup that is producing remote sleep monitoring devices. Mm-hmm. And before we talk about your impressive technology, yeah. I want to learn more about your personal background. So you actually grew up in India, but then moved to Germany for your master's and later to Switzerland for your PhD. Yeah. So how has this international education benefited you? Looking backwards, uh, I, I was born in a small uh, village in Orissa. This is a state in the eastern part of India, which is uh, next to the Bay of Bengal. And I spent my early childhood days in, in Orissa. However, I have uh, grown up in India. What I want to say is that I have lived across different parts of India. India is, is big. It is as big as Europe. I was uh, one of the fortunate person to to not only have traveled India, uh, but but experience cultures across different parts of India. This was all possible because of my father's job, which was more of a transferable job. So every couple of years, we had to move to a new city, which would be an entirely new part of India that would have a different type of people, different food, and, and the diversity across India is huge. Um, as an early kid, with early childhood time, uh, it, it was tough. I would always have to make new friends. I'll always have to adjust to new, new, new styles, new workflows. Everything was new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was tough. I still have the memories where I would be struggling to, to get used to a, a place, and then we have to move. Looking backwards, it's much easier to connect the dots and see that I was getting prepared for something much larger. It made me much more open. It made me more resilient. And I was able to connect with people. I was able to communicate to people without speaking those languages. And I can only try to emphasize, you know, that, uh, that those learnings on the early days of my childhood played a huge role in who I am today. Growing up, I was always interested in, in pursuing a science. Uh, my curiosity was fulfilled by the logics that science could provide. And that led me to, to be a, an engineer because I was more interested in science, but I was a bit distant from the pure fundamental science. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do something more, more applied. And engineering was the right next step for me. 
So just to elaborate, I'm a wireless engineer by education. I did my bachelor's in technology in electronics and communication engineering. And post my bachelor's, I was more interested to to, to take up more real-world work experience. And this is when I joined uh, Tata Consultancy Services and where I was working for British Telecom in their high speed internet connectivity protocols. This is the optical fiber that, that we know. So you, you're familiar with the SALT 10 gigabit uh, connections. Okay? Exactly. And, and back in those days, post-graduation, I was working on those topics. During my work experience, it became more abundantly clear that what I know is just scratching the top of the surface. And I f- was even more curious than ever before and I wanted to deepen my knowledge, which basically helped me take the next step to pursue my master's. Mm-hmm. But this time I was more interested in the fundamentals because I was just fascinated, you know, how this entire connectivity was working. Um, and this led me to, to apply for my master's. I'm very happy to have uh, got admission at Karlsruhe Institute of Technology in Germany, where I was a fully funded uh, scholar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was a very, uh, how to say, turning point, I would say, in my life, where I got the opportunity to, to come abroad uh, to Germany and get my first experience in the more fundamental science and bringing those, you know, so connecting those dots to, to the applied version. Yeah. I was also an Erasmus uh, scholar, so I belong to that group of all Erasmus students. And uh, this is a very cool group that also facilitated, you know, traveling across uh, Europe. As you could already probably guess, my early childhood had prepared me to accustom myself to any new environment. I have this vivid memory, you know, you can take me and put me in any part of the world and I would just seamlessly fit. Okay, that's who I am. And you learn all the skill set to make that happen. Exactly. And uh, that when it was happening, I was not happy. I was <laughs> I was complaining, to be honest. You know, like, just like any other teenager, oh, come on, I have to make new friends and, and so on. But uh, um, Was that really also sort of a master plan that was drawn by your parents to really prepare you for this international world? Or was it more... A coincidence that you then also learned all those skills due to the job that your father had. I, I don't think it was a master plan. Okay, um, the what I just elaborated is is how I look uh, at my life when I connect the dot backward. That is kind of helping me realize who I am. More of right. a self reflection. Um, but back in the day, my parents were trying very hard to to provide all the skill sets or or the necessary environment that they could give to me so that I can get the best education. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to give you some parallels, uh, I have from the very beginning studied in an English medium school, which is not very common in India because when you Mm -hmm. talk about different region, people study in different regional schools where English might not be the first language. However, my parents opted that for me, it would be the best thing if I had, from the very beginning, I had the exposure to, to English as a first language uh, in the school, as so all my subjects were, were in English. That actually kind of helped me to, to springboard uh, whenever across India I went, I could seamlessly integrate. I think that's also a great example of while it might have been difficult for you at the young age, I can imagine you know, that must have also been 
quite a tough environment yeah. to learn all these new things yeah. and being thrown into the cold waters. Exactly. But now looking back, those are really the things that benefit you still today exactly. that gave you such a solid foundation and basis to continue. Yeah. No, so I also true. wonder, you then came to Switzerland for your PhD. Yeah. Why did you choose Switzerland and not any other country like the US, for example? This is, uh, again, you're touching a very, very interesting topic. So I opted for Switzerland as, as an Erasmus student to write my master thesis. Mm -hmm. And when, when you talk about Switzerland, ETH uh, undoubtedly tops, uh, tops the chart. And the professor here who was working on, on the topic of my interest was one of the leading professor or as a researcher in the domain. And it was a honored to, to, to basically be in his lab at ETH. So that, that's how I came. So I, I did the thesis there and post my master's, I had this very difficult decision to take and that what do I want to do? What mm -hmm. was clear during my master is that I know nothing. That become abundantly clear. So the idea to do PhD was super solid in my head. Yeah. The question that still persists was where. I had the opportunity at Stanford. I had multiple opportunities at ETH. I had opportunities in Germany. And that, that was a tough time. So I had to sit down and, and weigh in, in my options. Um, I applied everywhere because I was uncertain that, you know, where I fit. And I wanted to, to, to see. And I was... Uh, pleasantly surprised and I, I guess till date I don't know but I guess it is all possible because of those fantabulous letter of recommendations written by some of the key people who valued my work ethic. Mm, I don't see myself as a super brilliant student but I, I could see you know when I look back okay why, why I received so glaring uh, how to say opportunities. Um, now, the decision was finally boiled down to ETH because uh, really about the person. It was really the person. Okay? So I chose uh, not Switzerland, but I can tell you I chose that person under whom I could really learn, mm -hmm. where I felt that I can absorb um, the best. And that's, that's how, how I came here. Great. And for you, after the master's, it was clear to do a PhD, because yeah. I think that's also quite a bold statement after studying for five years. Oh, I still don't know that much about the world. But then you had to face the second time that decision after your PhD, and eventually then also ended up in the entrepreneurial world. So yeah. why not continue as a researcher? Because you had everything, right? You had everything laid out for you. You had the perfect career. Yes. You would probably be a very well-known and successful researcher today. Why, again, choose a different path and go into the startup world instead? Thanks for asking this question. Um, I had reflected upon this quite, quite often. When you do a research on a topic very, very passionately, you have to understand the why the person is doing that dedicated research. It's mm -hmm. just not for the namesake. You're yeah. really passionate about it. And towards the end of that research, when you see that is thrown down the drain, that hurts. And the idea that select few decides how the world should run, that hurts. Internationally, national governments spend billions of dollars doing amazing research that is just tied down to our labs. That hurts. If I look back, you know, in the making of a PhD, this is much more than just research. 
There are a lot of very subtle things that comes together in making something really happen. Mm-hmm. So all the tools that are required to bring innovation to real world, I, I believe we were getting prepared for that. And not taking that step to bring the most advanced technology to the footstep of the end user, that would be a shame. And again, I'm, I'm very happy to have those instruments around me that could give me the supporting factors that could build the confidence that we are not merely a researcher that is told, that, that does what they are told to, but they can go beyond in really completing the circle, delivering those end values to the end customers. Did you also feel that you know, after completing all that intense research, yeah. that it would just be a huge waste of potential to now not put more of that into practice and actually build a business around it? Yeah, I felt that. If if I also look back on uh, on also you know other PhDs that 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 I saw not only in my my core domain, I have seen a lot of amazing research getting paused, getting stopped, not getting the the state that they should be. That's a big motivator. Yes, and that. Uh, became that, you know, that, you know, we have to take things under our own charge. As a researcher, you know, nobody tells you to go and find, you know, what's happening to that electron. (laughs) You do it because you're really passionate about it. There are basically no help, no guidance. Mm -hmm. Research is all about going to that uncharted waters and asking really the logical question so that you can move forward in a more sustainable way and derive results or, or conclusions that are uh, the, the, the answers to, to the question. And entrepreneurship was also something same. As a person, I don't think I'm someone who takes no for an answer on a face value. Yeah. So now you then saw, okay, I need to actually commercialize that research to a certain degree. I need to build a company around that to unleash its full potential. But that's still also quite a big step to take, right? So yeah. What happened after you realized that you do want to go into the startup world, into the entrepreneurship world? What did you do next once you realized that to then actually found a company? I, I, I just want to get some, some of the wording right because it's really you know, how, you, how you express it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I love the word commercialization, we didn't start for commercialization. The reason we started was to really make that impact. I know that you, you you mean in the best way, okay? Of course, yeah. But I just re- want to reinforce for all the audience who are listening to, to, to me um, that Sleepies is all about that impact. And one of the ways to have a sustainable impact is to have a good business model around it that can sustain it. Uh, but it was really the impact that was driving that, yeah. no, we, will, we have the potential to profoundly change how the industry looked at at this topic. I'll, I think that, that we'll come to that later. Sure. Uh, but that that basically drove mm-hmm. the team. All of a sudden, I didn't take the decision out of. Uh, let's say we, we did weigh in every every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What are our odds, and how high is the impact? And every time we were asking ourselves, is this the, the problem that we're tackling? Is that big enough? E- e- are we ready to put everything across the line? Because I guess we all knew that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be very painful. Mm-hmm. And the only way you could measure it was, you know, asking yourself time and again about, you know, 
are we really convinced about that impact that we could bring? Yeah. That profound impact that we have been talking time and again. And as we continue to ask this question, it continues to reinforce our belief in, in the same that, you know, yes, it is. And we used mostly the deduction approach, mm-hmm. not to just you know, toss in and you know, drinking wine or say beer, that, okay, now let's do it. No, it was not like that, sorry. We are, we are PhDs, typical nerds. Um, we, we did uh, look into and, and we, we made a very calculative assessment. We are risk taker, but not, not the stupid ones. Uh, and we hashed out, you know, yes, that the impact is worth all the pain. Now, that's a really interesting focus that you chose there to really focus on the impact that you can have and to also think big and have big ambitions. Yeah. I think that's a, a very refreshing take that you have here along the journey. And you are not alone in that journey. So you also have co-founders in your company. Can you talk a bit more how you met them and then embarked on that journey together? One aspect of, of uh, entrepreneurship is really the team. And I think the, this is predominantly the main aspect of uh, of any any startup is really the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Sleepies was founded by four people, so three of my co-founders. Two of them are PhDs from ETH Zurich, and one is a master's student from University of St. Gallen. Sunil, my my first co-founder, I knew him from my ETH network, PhD network. And when the idea of of the startup came to my mind, I and in casual setup shared that uh, with him and I was surprised to see his interest in uh, in supporting uh, the idea and uh, adding that plus one mm-hmm. that initial plus one support from him further allowed to do more analysis and, and discussion around it which continued to reinforce more on the idea that that uh, that we had um now, moving on to my next co-founder, okay, so how I met him was because of the course that ETH and University of St. Gallen organizes together. So this is a course from uh, the Entrepreneur Lab at ETH Zurich. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year they have this course where they bring the students who are in the technology field from ETH Zurich and students with master's or uh, business expertise from University of St. Gallen together where we worked on, on you know, addressing or validating the, the business uh, of, of a technology idea or building the technology for a business, okay, vice yeah. versa. I, I wrote my cover letter for that where I elaborated more about, you know, my idea of, of changing uh, the, the, the sleep industry. Uh, I was happy to, to be accepted in that course. And this is where I met Max Ziegold. Uh, he is my second co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brings all the business acumen, okay, uh, just during the course itself, we connected straightforward uh, on 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 this uh, topic, and it was during the course itself that we spoke with a lot of doctors and really validated every aspect of it. And uh, throughout the course, I could see that he was getting more and more vested and more and more convinced about uh, what we were onto. Um, and now, finally, coming to my last co-founder. I met him thanks to the ETH Entrepreneur Club's uh, speed dating. Fantastic. Sorry, the name ETH keeps coming again and again. <laughs> I am from from there, and and ETH provides all the support factors. I have to give it to them. They mm. 
Without that, uh, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you. So um, the entrepreneur clubs, speed dating, you know, I, I, I did, you know, put forward our idea that we want to do this and we are looking for a co-founder that can, you know, turbocharge our tax side. This is where I met Mark and uh, Mark Roland. He was a fellow PhD student at ATA Zurich. We connected instantly. And then we had a couple of fellow conversations, uh, follow-up conversations mm-hmm. that led to, you know, him joining the team. Yeah. And this was actually 2017 that we all came together and we worked towards the whole year, more or less half of the year, uh, as a a, a tight group of people who were convinced on on really bringing uh, bringing the the product forward. Um, And towards the end of the year, we were one of the yeah, we were the winner. You know, I think. Uh, let me get that correct. We were selected in Mass Challenge, okay, mm-hmm. so one of the accelerator in Switzerland, and we were the silver winner within Mass Challenge, yeah. and that already reinforced our faith in in you know what we you know what we were doing. That was like a confirmation for you. It, to exactly, continue, the word right? I was looking for was confirmation. Sorry, yeah. then it it really gave us the confirmation that right. what we were looking for that we could see that we could work as a team. Mm-hmm. We had the respect for each other. Yeah. Uh, we could, uh, you know, understand each other, and we we delivered, yeah. and that that basically gave us all the you know confirmation that that we were looking for, and this allowed us that no, we should go ahead and found the company, and make it real, Absolutely. make it something more than just a project and idea. Yeah. And can you also elaborate a bit more about the exact problem that you address with your company? Because that's certainly what people want to learn more about. So yeah. what is the specific problem that you address with Sleepies? At Sleepies, we are looking at uh, solving... Let me take a take on it. I mean, I, sure. I find this question actually very, very challenging the, the, to, to address. It. Sure. Because as, as a Should I rephrase we, it in any way? No, I, I think it's a good question. From a problem-wise, exactly what we are solving is for sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is a respiratory-related sleep disorder wherein you have pauses in respiration while you sleep. Mm-hmm. This pauses in respiration causes abnormal oxygenation and deoxygenation in your body, which leads to microarousals, hence the incomplete sleep. So when you wake up during the, after, after a good night's sleep, you, fe- you think that you have a good night's sleep, but you had these microarousals that you are not aware of, okay, which leads to reduced productivity at work. Mm-hmm. It increases your chances of having traffic accidents. Okay, you start to snore, and sadly, you know, because of this abnormal oxygenation and deoxygenation in your body, you 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 start to have you know it's it's intertwined with a lot of cardiovascular mortality, and it's mm-hmm. very likely that you are going to die of stroke. Wow, yeah, that's it, a big problem. It's a big problem, yeah. it, it, and sadly. Less than 20% of the people are only diagnosed. Wow. It is estimated that worldwide a billion people suffer from sleep apnea. It's a huge problem. <laughs> and only 20% are diagnosed. And that's, that's, that's really sad. Now, if you want to get diagnosed, for example, in, in countries like in Germany, mm-hmm. depending upon where you live, uh, the timeline for getting diagnosed, which is classically done in a sleep lab, could be could have a waiting time of as long as eight months yep. and and finally when your when your when your time comes to get diagnosed, what happens? You have to sleep in a sleep lab with more than thirty cables on you that's what we are changing 
we are changing the entire patient pathway. We're doing it in a step-by-step manner. This is mm-hmm. what I can elaborate a bit more to have a process, patient journey that is much more seamless, that that can increase the awareness, mm-hmm. reduce the barrier for, for people to get uh, diagnosed early on, and help them really manage their disease. And how do you exactly do that technology-wise? I mean, you don't have to wait eight months to use yes. your product. So yeah. what do you exactly do there together with the technology that you developed to to face that problem, to tackle it? From technology-wise, we have built an end-to-end solution that enables uh, that easy diagnosis, monitoring of uh, this particular disease. Now, we are tackling the problem on two frontiers. Number one, to create the awareness among the general population about this particular disease, helping them get a quantified understanding of their subjective perception that they might have the disease. So what, in other words, you know, people might think that they might have sleep apnea. What you do normally is, you know, you, you try to talk about it and you try to talk about your doctor. We help in, in the first step, you know, convert this might to an objective quantification on a scale that is very well accepted in the domain so that, you know, they can understand, you know, what should be the next step. In the second ways, you know, we are also engaging with all the healthcare professionals, physicians who are uh, knowledgeable or have the expertise to treat these people or diagnose mm-hmm. these people. Okay, we are bringing our product to them where we are demonstrating our capabilities and are offering a, a solution that can seamlessly integrate into their day-to-day practice. That's in a nutshell what we do. And you also have to collect quite some data to then make use of it, right? To discover whether somebody has the sleep apnoa or not. How do you exactly do that? I see here, is, of course, it's difficult to show that to people over a podcast, but you have your device here with you. It's really quite a small device. So how do you exactly do that? So how do you collect the data and what do you then do with the data once you have it? Before I, I jump into that, you know, sure. the, uh, let me explain you know, how it works so that you, you get a feeling or, or let's say people who are listening get an impression of our technology. So what we have done is build a small box that you put next to your bed mm-hmm. and go to sleep. It emits ultra-low-power electromagnetic waves and receives the reflected electromagnetic waves. From this, we are able to interpret your cardiopulmonary activity. We use advanced machine learning algorithms and AI to identify different biomarkers that then helps us to quantify your sleep apnea severity. And then we present this data to the patient in a very easy to understand manner. Mm -hmm. And we also provide a high dense fidelity web application for the doctors to look at the data in in a much more granular fashion. Now, all the data that is collected with the sleepy's box is seamlessly transferred via a cellular provider. So we work together with Vodafone to bring the entire data using our encrypted VPN channel to our cloud, which is our servers are based here in Switzerland, where we process the data and then share it with our patients or physicians. We take cybersecurity very, very seriously and we are a startup. We don't have to listen to other people. We define the best uh, that is for our patients. They don't have to connect to their hotspots or, you know, Wi-Fi's public networks. That's amazing. We protect their data. 
I think this was actually very core to us because we as as a engineers and and PhDs in the domain are were very much aware of you know what kind of things happen on the yeah. internet. So okay. the top security is basically built in your product by default. It is by default and we were working with really all the leading providers where we were asking them very tough questions how you are going to help us you know bring our data in the most right. secure manner. I'm even very happy to share in in this particular setup that you know we are ISO 27001 and ISO 27701 compliant which means that we have the highest standards of ISO norms related to information security and privacy followed in our company. Well, and, that, and I know that's is, not easy to get there. And and, and we are a startup. Yes. We are a four-year-old <laughs> startup, and we have the best practices deployed yeah. uh, for for information and privacy. Well, well done. Thank you. I also want to talk about the obstacles along the way. We see your hardware device here. We heard about the software and the machine learning in the background. So usually, of course, people say, don't combine hardware and software, only choose one of them. But you didn't only combine the two of them, you actually also combined it together <laughs> with regulations, but also the whole clinical and data science combination on top of that. Yes. So you basically combined four incredibly difficult things mm-hmm. all together. Yeah. Why the hell did you do that? I mean, that's insane. Of course, it also gives you a competitive edge mm-hmm. because probably nobody wants to go through the hassle of recreating what you did yeah but at the same time i imagine that must have been incredibly difficult to combine all those four together yes i i have i mean point blank acknowledging what you just said it was freaking difficult it was a painful journey but if you would ask me would i do it again i would say a million time yes and this ties back to what I said, you know, and we are driven by the fact of impact. We were tackling a problem that was very much related to, to I mean, it was related to healthcare, but however, you have to imagine that the outcomes of our product will change how people live their life. And we, we started this journey in the healthcare before COVID. So for us, it was very important that we provide something that is certifiable, reliable outcomes that doctors and patients as well can use to take the next steps. And we couldn't achieve all of those without going through all this entire pain. And we wanted to profoundly change how people looked at it. And hence, there was basically no way out for us. And we accepted this from the day one, that these are all the components that we need to make the end-to-end product. This is also because that we control each aspect of this journey. We are able to right. promise our customers that, you know, that they can rely on it. It, it was tough decisions, but uh, the impact that I, I spoke early on was the only thing that we had, no money. But the very fact that we could create that impact, that was with us all the time, throughout the entire journey. A really strong motivator, but also a strong energy source along the process. Exactly. Because at the end, you know, if you ask any of the founders that you you would have spoken, you don't jump into a startup in world because of the money or what lies on the end. It's really that that conviction of that impact that you're going to make in the industry or in, in the, that dent in the universe. And if you look at the co-founding team, none of us are from a medical background. Right. 
Yes, we but we are those outrageously, you know, and then we we are people who have this outrageous dream that we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine, you know, by the combination of those four elements, you know, they were certainly, as you mentioned, it was super difficult. It was hard to get to the sellable product, the usable product that you have today. Yes. Do you have any tips or recommendations for startups who start in such a complex field? how to navigate, how to not lose track beyond being motivated by the impact that they can have, but maybe have some practical tips that helped you or that you would do differently today to manage and navigate such a complex product to even bring it to market. Yeah, I think the the only tip I could give is go to your customer as soon as possible. Uh, Don't be afraid. And I think that this this is something if I have to revisit, uh, we would do it again. I think it's it's very important that people understand what is MVP. I've seen a lot of other startups that are coming up and I've seen fellow colleagues making MVPs. Mm-hmm. Think we, we need to think MVP in a much more leaner fashion. I've seen some of the MVPs coming out of ETH or, or in, in Switzerland. Uh, I would really like uh, upcoming co-founders or founders to, to really rethink their MVP. It can be even leaner than, than you are thinking. We had that, uh, how to say, philosophy embraced and let's ingrained within Sleepies. Sometimes we followed that very, very successfully, but I also would like to acknowledge that we failed at some points. Yeah. And that's the only thing I would advise for anyone. Go to your customer with a lean MVP. Uh, some of the MVPs I see nowadays are very awesome. You really need to be ashamed of your MVP. Really ashamed. If you're yeah. not, then then it's it's yeah. uh, you're too late. I think that's also one of these famous quotes by Reid Hoffman, right? If you're yes. not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. Exactly, and that I guess you know I, everyone has a different perception of that, mm-hmm. and that uh, I think in Switzerland is is actually you know people are very there, there is a barrier of being ashamed. Yeah. I think this this is why you know I, I want to convey that message very strongly that it's okay, it's yeah. absolutely okay, and you come to this industry because of this. Exactly. Be ashamed. Don't worry. We all are. Yeah, but right? that, that's actually one of the big strengths that we have, right? We build amazing products here in Switzerland. In the long run, that's a huge advantage because the quality is good. Yeah. But in the early days, that can be a huge drawback because then exactly. you don't launch. You yeah. don't think that anybody will buy it, and you invest a lot of time maybe in the wrong product. Yeah, that uh, I, I think is, is very well said. This is uh, being Swiss. Exactly. Now, another challenge you mentioned before. This is also before. what I learned as an international, sorry, to inter- <laughs> okay. in a, with my international experience. I can, this yeah. is one aspect I learned, you know, of my time that I spent here in Switzerland, the Swissness. And there are good and bad at the same time. And one has to really carve out that uh, you, you, it doesn't become, how to say, bad but there are some 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 areas where being conscious especially for us in the medical field really helped so that Absolutely. thought process you know that swiss thought process that was you know it just happens come on yeah. i hope you understand and i at the end i'm also a human okay you 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 learn when you move from different places yeah. There are a few things I learned from Germany as well, and that uh, that you can see in the engineering, <laughs> and 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 that aspect of you know really rethinking it twice, you know, mm-hmm. before you're delivering it to patient, that helped. I I would I, when I look back, I think it was that Swissness mm-hmm. of really checking the product. 
Because you have to imagine, this is the first time in the world that you can measure cardiopulmonary activity without anything in your body with a medical grade accuracy. It's a CE class two a product. It's crazy. It's, it's a medical product. Really? Okay. Yeah. And if you look at other products, when you go to a hospital, they're still running Windows ninety seven. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah. And that actually brings me to the next point. Before you mentioned that you sell to both B two C clients, but also B two B clients. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, whenever you market a product, a solution, you have to market that very differently in a B2B and the B2C sector. So yeah. how do you balance the both at the same time? This is, a very, again, a very good question. I think it's, it's probably something to do with sleepies. We always take the tough <laughs> route of, of tackling a business. No challenge too big to, to tackle. <laughs> yeah, no but our goal here is, is really to tackle sleep apnea. Now, when, when you talk about sleep apnea, you have to create that awareness. So there is a huge untapped market. 80% of people just don't know. And, and you know, basically, this, uh, tackling this untapped market helps us to create more patients. When there are more patients created, they go to a physician. Right. So now a physician is happy because they are getting customers. Okay, now how you seamlessly plug in is, is the key. And when you go to the doctor's, when they get more patients, and if they use the classical methodology to, to basically screen them, it's unsustainable. Right. The only way to do it is sleep is or lose business. Now, this is how we, we basically balance both our B2B and B2C. Our value proposition is the same. Our value chain is the same. Mm-hmm. We onboard both of these people within the same value chain, and we do not differentiate between them. Yeah, thereby providing a homogeneous service across uh, both the clientels. Right. So w- would it be fair to say the device, the hardware device, is for the people to use at home, but the platform, the software behind it, that's for the professionals to then use and analyze with their patients? Yeah. I think it's, it's a very well said aspect. So we have our, our software, you know, that that's, you know, that allows doctors to, to really look deep into that. And we believe this is best handled by the professionals yeah. and not to overwhelm patients with this, uh, how to say, tons of data, you know, because you have to ask yourself, what do you do with it? Right, yeah. Exactly. Then people will just stop using it if they don't easily understand it. Yeah, so that's exactly. that's overwhelming. Um, so may I, you know, for all the... Viewers who are, let's say, not, not viewers, but, but listeners, and they can all visit apnea minus screening Punsiha, and mm-hmm. they can order one sleep apnea screening for themselves and experience sleepiest. We're currently live in German-speaking part of Switzerland, mm-hmm. and in the next days, we'll be expanding across Switzerland and other countries. And how does actually your business model look like? Because you are serving these two different, you know, people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. How does your business model look like in that regard? Who do you charge and how do you charge them? We have a standard uh, pricing policy. So we offer a three nights of screening. So mm-hmm. we basically ship our box directly to the patient where the patient uses that uh, box for three nights and then ships back the yeah. box to us. And then we have a standard pricing for, for them and we share the report. For the doctors as well, we offer the same thing. Now, whenever they get a patient, they don't have to maintain an inventory on themselves. Mm -hmm. They can just go to the web, fill in all the patient details, and we really take care of the entire background logistic together with our partners, send the device for them, make the maximum usage of the sitting inventory, and share the report with the doctors that they can 
take it to their patients. Again, as simple as possible, basically, from a user experience. Yes. Very, we try to always keep it as simple as possible and learn really, really on the go and, and adapt and continue to improve this experience. And we already talked about your international background, yeah. which is very impressive. At the same time, you also mentioned there are about 1 billion people that suffer from the problem that you're helping to yeah. get a hand on. And basically, how do you plan as a company to go international? Because the market is huge. You're yeah. here in Switzerland. Yeah. How do you plan to internationalize from here? When we look at our, our future growth, we have two parts. Uh, one is uh, going to different geographics, the, and, and the second is going beyond sleep apnea as well. So I'll take up that that later first. You know, sure. I would also like to mention that we have a wholly owned subsidiary in India, and we are already started our commercialization activities in India, where we are helping the Indian healthcare system know, let's say turbocharging the entire healthcare system there because of COVID, you know, we, we, you know, all the lacunas of the healthcare systems were, were fleshed out and now the, the government and people are more conscious about the health mm-hmm. and sleep is there at the right time at the right place to, to basically, you know, bring the most advanced technologies to, to the healthcare system in India. And now talking about other geographics, what is in our roadmap is Germany, followed mm-hmm. by UK and US, where we are looking to, in a stepwise manner, conquer, you know, and, and then expand to, to other countries. Yep. And if you had to make one choice, you know, to either expand geographically or beyond the sleep apnea problem, mm-hmm. what would you choose? Wow, that, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I, it, it's not that easy for me to answer straightforward. Geographical expansion is really on our roadmap. That's basically we, we will be doing it. Uh, having said that, uh, the other aspect of you know going beyond sleep apnea across different diseases, that, that's also something happened, but it's, it's more about really the timing, what would happen mm-hmm. at what time. Because really digging in within a disease portfolio takes time. And, and we don't want to, to really promise uh, outcomes that, that are premature for very well-tested outcomes. You know, we, we need to spend enough time and everything. So these are all uh, in our development pipeline, and the team is already on top of it. So we are already looking at, you know, how we can improve lives of COVID people. Okay? That's mm-hmm. respiratory-related disorder. Absolutely. We are in the, in the same reason where we are able to measure cardiorespiratory parameters. Uh, there are COPD patients. So we are already working together with, with the patient population. Um, there are people who are suffering with cystic fibrosis. The, all these diseases it, are in our roadmap, but more immediately uh, are the geographical expansion that is there uh, in our roadmap, where we are looking to really establish Sleepies as the, the brand and, and a go-to product when it comes to you know, healthcare professionals and, and patients making decisions. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And we also want to talk about a few numbers. Your team is already 58 people strong so far. You have to, analyzed. Today morning, I was told it is 60. Oh, okay. You just hit the next milestone. Congrats. Fantastic. <laughs> you. Yodi also processed more than 20,000 uh, nights of data. Yeah. So we just talked about what's going to be next for you, the geographical expansion, but also the potential expansion of, you know, where you're actually active with your product. Yeah. What is the short-term goal for you uh, this year, 2022? What do you want to achieve? What's on your roadmap? So for, for, the, for this year, we want to really have a, 
let's say, touch at least 20,000 lives. That's a bold uh, statement from what I'm Absolutely. making here. But this is what we, we have, and this is how we will be measuring it. Across geographic, across uh, diseases, this is what, uh, what we aim to, to put as a holistic target. Grow the company in, in all of these uh, this geographics. One of the biggest challenges when you, when you scale up and international waters is really you know, how, do you, how do you preserve the culture of your startup. And that, that's very important. People take it for granted. International expansions are very challenging. How do you tackle the messaging? How do you, you know, do these meetings? The drive that, that, you, know, just that you get uh, when, when you interact directly or, or indirectly has a huge impact. So one of the other goals as a, as, a, as a company that we will have other than these numbers would be really that inclusion, international inclusion that we can provide, which would help us, you know, have that very solid foundation that sleepies can jumpstart, you know, in, in 23 to, to touch even higher heights. Amazing. And, you know, you've already solved big and very difficult challenges in the past, so I'm sure you're also going to figure that one out. We have collected experience by working in a multicultural environment, and not only in, uh, you know, this, this Zurich and, and India experience, but mm -hmm. also, you know, our team is very international. We have team members from different parts of the world that bring different viewpoint. And uh, the very first question you asked me, you know, gives me all that I need to know in building an international team. Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful way to, you know, circle back to the beginnings to end this episode. Yeah. Before we do so, I also want to ask you two last questions. Yes. The first one is basically what resources or gadgets can you recommend to our listeners? That can be books, blogs, podcasts, or any gadgets that you use yourself on a daily or regular basis. Podcast-wise, you know, people who are in the Swiss ecosystem, I would highly recommend that you listen to Swisspreneur, okay? <laughs> there are some amazing stories from some of the amazing founders out there. I think that can give uh, other founders, you know, some, some perspective at how they can look. And uh, the second thing that I would advise is in a reading books. The one that comes to my mind is Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, for people who, who like to read... I, I can recommend this. And the only thing I can add is that read it slowly. <laughs> Fantastic. And thank you for the shout out. Really yeah. appreciate it. So for the very last part, we prepared some rapid fire questions okay. for you. So Good. I either give you an option, uh, mm -hmm. options to choose from or a quick question you have to answer in one sentence. You're ready? Okay. So the first one, researcher or entrepreneur? Uh, entrepreneur. And I guess this question has never been more relevant than for you. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Last night was eight hours. Great. Um, here, I, I, I would just take a pause and elaborate, you know. Sure. Being in the sleep business, this is abundantly more clear that, you know, you have to sleep. You need yeah. to get your sleep so that you can get the best out of your next day. So for anyone who's listening and you are thinking of making a startup, you would see a lot of sleepless lines ahead of you. Uh, but my sincere recommendation, don't compromise your sleep. You will compromise your productivity. Uh, and it's really a subjective feeling. So I fully support care. that. That's so important. So thank you for bringing yeah. that out there. So then my next question, what's your number one tip for better sleep? I think calmness. 
it's important that you are calm with your mind. Okay, there will be a lot of thoughts and a lot of anxieties that one captures while during the day. Right. And there are different uh, sources how you could calm yourself, either going to, to have a bath early on or mm -hmm. uh, doing meditation or yoga. Whatever works for me, listening to soothing music and taking a bath works. So I think having that calmness will really help you have a good night's sleep. Amazing. And where do you actually go to think? Yeah, this is actually a very interesting one. I, I love uh, places uh, that have uh, less people around me. Mm -hmm. That gives me a perspective of untouched feeling. For example, top of a mountain or, right. or territories such as uh, waters all around me uh, or, or some, uh, some areas in, in Iceland. I think all of them. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. And the last one, that's a mean one, but I'm still going to ask it anyways. India, Germany, or Switzerland? Oh, that's uh, tough. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, that that's that's tough. If you ask me in short term, my eyes are set actually on U.S. because I have yeah. been told time and again that Swiss companies in U.S. cannot survive, and we want to take on that bold challenge. To all my competitors who are listening, we are coming, okay? <laughs> and I am coming personally. So amazing. Um, but for, from a long run perspective, that's really tough. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to make any comment, but uh, I, I would love to have a, a more synergetic mix, okay, mm -hmm. where I could experience, you know, that, that, that I don't have to say goodbye to any of the places, but, sure. you know, yeah. enjoy best of. A ours. very, you know, neutral Swiss answer to that question. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Somia, thank you so much for stopping. That was really a lot of fun and very impressive to hear more about your story. We wish yes. you all the best, lots of success, and just keep pushing. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.